Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry Connick Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Hey, how it goes? And welcome into the Black and Blue Reports. This is the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. My name is Sean Kelly. Greetings again from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans on Airline Drive. We're certainly glad to be with you today. We have two great guests, one on the NFL side, one on the NBA side. Uh, of course, John Stinchcomb was a big part of the Saints NFL draft again this year as he uh, announced a pick at the uh, draft uh, in Chicago. We're going to hear his story <laughs> about making that big selection or at least announcing that ele- the big selection for the, uh, for the Saints. Uh, he got thrown a bit of a curveball, and I think you'll hear the smile on his face when he tells the story. And uh, obviously, with Andrews Pete getting drafted uh, first overall by the Saints, uh, it reminds me of when John Stinchcomb was the uh, the tackle in residence and Zach Streif was uh, chosen by the Saints a few years back now. Um, but certainly, I want to get his uh, impressions of that. Also on the show today, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine. The Grizzlies uh, come back home for Game 3 against the Warriors this weekend. They've got that thing knotted up at a game apiece after stunning the Warriors at o- Oracle Arena. Uh, this week and so eric joins us once again here on the black and blue report hey we had a little pelicans news yesterday a couple of guys uh, had surgery you may have already heard this uh quincy pondexter had knee surgery and drew holiday had surgery to go back into that uh, lower leg that's been bothering him they removed a screw it was a planned siege, uh, surgery and as we're told a minor procedure and uh, that screw was uh, a part of the hardware that went into his leg season before this past one uh, where that rod was placed as well. So um, hopefully uh, the timing is perfect on those, and we wish them a speedy recovery. Fun watching the NBA last night, wasn't it? Wow, the Rockets and Clippers did not disappoint once again, and the Rockets uh, take a game at home to even up their series with the Clippers a game apiece before heading out to Los Angeles. And LeBron James has stepped it up, and the Cleveland Cavaliers put a pretty good thumping on the Bulls, and so that series is tied at one as well. Um, I'm, I'm going to stay away from Deflate Gate today, or Tom Brady, or the Patriots, or the NFL. Um, that thing's a mess, uh, to say the least. And so there's nothing good or pertinent that I'll have to say that already was not uh, exacerbated by ESPN and others yesterday. So 
we'll leave that one off the table if you don't mind on this Thursday. I'd much rather talk to John Stinchcomb and Eric Hasseltine, which we will do right after this. I'm Chip Chapman, here on the street asking people what they would do with a $40 million Powerball jackpot from the Louisiana Lottery. I'd fly to Italy to go shoe shopping with my girlfriends. I'd invest it, of course. I could double that money in no time. And you, sir? I'd buy me a vacation home on my own private island and a new sports car and a golden hot tub. That's quite enough from you, sir. Play Powerball at any Louisiana Lottery retailer. Starting jackpot $40 million. Must be at least 21 to purchase. Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get texts with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelican Mobile Alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus, sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Rush R40 Tour. New Orleans, this is it. Getty Lee. Alex Lifeson. Neil Peart. Rush. Experience four decades of Rush Live in one night. Friday, May 22nd. Smoothie King Center. Tickets on sale now at LiveNation.com or by phone. R40 Tour. Don't miss it. Everything you need to know about the Saints and Pelicans is right here on the Black and Blue Report. As promised, we welcome back uh, John Stinchcomb to the Black and Blue Report, the Saints legend and now drafty announcer uh, from this past weekend. John joins us on the telephone. Mr. Stinchcomb, obviously it, it had to be an honor for you to announce the second-round pick of the New Orleans Saints in the 2015 NFL Draft. Well, it was a huge honor. I can't believe you'd even... Uh use the word legend attached to my name, but I, I do appreciate it. I must have confused a couple people and, and uh, some former legends who played for the Saints must have had their schedules really booked up over the weekend. But uh, it was such a great trip. Uh, it was uh, quite an honor to represent the New Orleans Saints and announce that pick. Before I get to the name that you had to say, I do want to hear the story. Um, how, did you, how did you find out that you were going to be doing this and then take me through when you had to go to Chicago and what all is involved. There's got to be a good story in there, Stench. Well, you know what? It's, it's Greg Bensel contacts me and, uh, oh, just a quick text message. And I was like, man, that's a, that's a huge honor to express over text, but asked if, uh, if I had any interest. And of course I jumped at it and thought, uh, what a great opportunity it is and, and honor. Uh, so, Went up on Wednesday morning and, and spent, the, spent the week up in Chicago until Saturday afternoon when we flew back, and it was just really one great experience right after the next. Uh, Wednesday afternoon, we were introduced to the fans there in, in Chicago, the uh, other quote-unquote NFL legends along with the, the prospects that were in town for for the draft, and uh, followed by a lunch a luncheon where – they broke us up into position groups, and we got to sit down with some of the guys that are uh, just about to embark on their NFL career, um, and we could kind of show and, and glean some of the experiences that we had in the NFL and, and hopefully offer them some sound advice as, 
uh, they prepare for that next step for them. The uh, the whole thing in Chicago, John, seemed to rather extravagant. I mean, the whole thing with Draft Town and the theater looked great. Uh, is that the future of the NFL draft? Are they willing to make this kind of a commitment from now on? Well, I, I've never been to New York for the draft, so I, I had nothing to compare it to. But it was done in true NFL fashion. The scale was huge and everything was top-notch. Uh, I participated in a, a Play 60 youth clinic on Thursday, and um, everything was just so well done. A lot of the kids were out there just having a great time, and it was set up right there in the middle of a park, so easily accessible to, to most of the folks in Chicago and all those who had traveled from across the country to, to be at the draft. I, I thought it was a really well-done, top-notch venue, and, and I like the fact that it's uh, – moved around I, I think chicago is a great choice and it uh, wouldn't hurt my feelings to see it uh, change peri- periodically from site to site all right so get me to friday um are you all sequestered at some point and um and is it a, is it as uh, stressful for you as it is for the the <laughs> prospects in the green room oh not even close uh it was it was another great day uh, we, we had a lunch with with the legends and Commissioner Goodell uh, came and we were eating good food and sharing great stories just to be in the presence of so many Hall of Famers and, and other uh, talented players that were my era before, guys I grew up watching and uh, even guys that I, I, I don't re- remember uh, watching. You've heard of the Mel Blunts and the Willie Browns of yesteryear and just to hear firsthand experiences and uh, them share some insight as to what the NFL has meant for them. Uh, it was such a such an honor to be in their presence. So Jim Kelly and <laughs> Charles Haley, who is never one to cease uh, or forfeit an opportunity to share what he has on his mind, uh, mm-hmm. just really an awesome experience, uh, one that that I'm I'm going to cherish for quite some time. But in contrast, all right, Sean, so. No, it wasn't even close to being as stressful uh, as, oh, good. as when it was draft time however many years ago. Uh, right before the draft, you know, we're stationed in the green room with some of the, I guess, five of five or six of the players that weren't picked up in the first round, including uh, the tackle from Penn State, Donovan Smith, who um, he was sitting at my table that Wednesday at the lunch where the, the former players and potential players were all sitting together and really liked him just a great guy uh down to earth you know excited about his next chapter and we're sitting there i sit went over and sat at his table for a minute and asked if uh if he got any sleep the night before and he told me he might have gotten two pretty restless hours so uh i I remember that time in my life and was glad that you know he only had to wait a couple picks till he got uh his name called I was able to walk across that stage, but not nowhere near the, the level of stress for for me. You know, the biggest concern is uh, whether or not you're going to have a challenging name. But uh, l- luckily, they, they gave me a real softball, right? Yeah, let's talk about the name a little bit. Um, first of all, um, were you what was your what was the feeling going through you when the Saints went on the clock with the pick that you were going to announce? Well. It, I hate to let the cat out of the bag, but uh, the, the show is a little bit 
behind where uh, which sticks are in. So we're up in the green room. The, one of the ladies from the NFL comes and, and says that we're ready. So I, I walk down and I get there, and the, the person with the cards just says, "Good, you've got a you've got a few minutes to practice this day, and you're going to need it." I'm thinking, "Ha ha ha, good one." I'm sure he tells everybody that. And I look down and. There's uh, there's three vowels to every consonant, and I'm going, man, I might be in trouble. So I was uh, I was grateful for those minutes that I could practice on uh, on his name and try not to screw it up and ruin that moment when you you get your hear get to hear your own name called for uh, acceptance into the NFL. Um, you nailed it, though, Stinch. <laughs> You're too kind. You know what's good? You say it with confidence, and, and nobody knows the wiser. It's interesting because we had uh, Haoli on the telephone shortly thereafter, um, and uh, and he was quite complimentary, and his his pronunciation of his own name was the same as the one you gave on stage. Nice. Well, yes. uh, I give all the credit to whoever put the phonetics right there on the card because uh, I would have been scrambling if, if they didn't try to help me and uh, pronouncing it correctly. I think that you should do this every year from now on. That's the way I see it. Well, you know what? Uh, I, I'm all for it. Uh, it was it was an awesome experience, a true honor to represent uh, the Who That Nation, and uh, I would jump at the opportunity any time they would offer it. John, I was thinking of you uh, on Thursday night during the first round um, because I couldn't help but think as the Saints selected Andrus Pete from Stanford, about the draft where the Saints grabbed Zach Streif. Uh, you were at that time the, the tackle in residence, if you will, and they drafted Streif. Um, and here now, Streif is the, the, the lead tackle, if you will, in residence, and uh, Andrus Pete is on his way. Um, can we draw any parallels there or comparisons to that scenario? Well, you know what? I, I think Zach would, would have the same mindset that um, – that I had, and that welcome to the team. You want mm-hmm. talented guys, and uh, if management thinks that Andrus can come in and help the team, boy, you want to welcome him with open arms. Um, and from a personal perspective, what you really need to worry about is, is how you play. Uh, if, if for me personally, when I when I while I was the tackle, I thought um, I need to to worry about my house and make sure that I'm playing good football and. It doesn't really matter who else is who else is on the team or what position they play. So uh, I think that's very similar to the situation Zach and Teron have right now. It's, uh, and I, I, I'd love to welcome Andrus to the team and, and want to help him become a great player for the New Orleans Saints, but uh, that doesn't affect or change the way I approach practice, the game, this team. It's uh, – I need to make sure that I'm playing good football, and it doesn't really matter who else you have in that position. Yeah, that the the help part is what intrigues me the most. Um, you know, Zach is quick to credit you for teaching him kind of the NFL way and bringing him along there early on. I would imagine he'd like to pay that forward. Uh, you know, to some extent, though, right? I, I mean, think wake, he, wake. I think he's already done that time and time again. Just talking to some of the other guys, and uh, well, knowing Zach Streep as, as like I do, it's team first mentality and he wants to help the guys in that room no matter uh whether the first round draft pick or show up uh as a free agent it's just the way that we think 
things should be done. And you help those around you and you try to make your team the best they can possibly be. So um, I, I think Zach and I's situation may be similar in that it's, it's always team first. And it always has been. And uh, you sure made this team proud, uh, Mr. Stinchcomb, as, as to your performance on Friday night at the NFL Draft. It was great stuff. And, and of course, always visiting with you is great. I appreciate it very much. Well, the pleasure's all mine, Sean. I, uh, it's such an honor to, to be a part of uh, the New Orleans Saints family and to, to have the honor and distinction of calling out that second-round pick will, will be a memory that I cherish. So I'm always grateful for the Houdette Nation. Thank you, partner. You bet. Football will be here soon enough. We'll hear more from Stinch, obviously, as we get closer and closer. All right, stay with us. We'll turn our attention to basketball. Eric Hasseltine of the Grizzlies in just a moment. Kids on the Block, live in concert, performing in the round with very special guests, TLC and Nelly. The biggest concert event of the year, Friday, May 15th, Smoothie King Center. Tickets are on sale now at LiveNation.com or call 800-745-3000. New Kids on the Block with TLC and Nelly. For VIP ticket packages and more, visit NKOTV.com. All-Star Electric is lighting up the future with the latest in LED lighting. All-Star Electric specializes in the installation and conversion of the newest LED lighting products. This lasting investment is virtually maintenance-free and offers significant savings on your next electricity bill. This is Tim Blanchard, president of All-Star Electric. Let us evaluate your building, parking lot, or home for an LED conversion because we know we can save you some money. In New Orleans, food is more than a passion, it's a tradition. And Zatarans has been part of that tradition for 125 years. From jambalaya and dirty rice to crab boil and more, Zatarans has been jazzing up dinner since before there was jazz. And we're excited about what next season might bring. Jazz it up tonight with Zatarans, proud sponsor of the New Orleans Pelicans. We're talking NBA playoffs on the Black and Blue Report. Well, the Memphis Grizzlies did the other night what uh, only two others had done all season. That's pick up a win at Oracle Arena, and now the Grizzlies and Warriors are tied to the game apiece with Game 3 back in Memphis, the Grindhouse, on Saturday night. To help us get uh, up to speed a little more on that series, we welcome in a frequent guest here on the Black and Blue Report, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine. My friend, nice win the other night. It felt good. You know, that's the game that uh, I think the Grizzlies really needed for their confidence and kind of to silence maybe some of the doubters that they could compete with Golden State in this series. I mean, you guys know firsthand down there that uh, that's a really good basketball team, and they're the number one seed for a reason. But, you know, as you guys saw in your four-game set, the, the, the Pelicans certainly had their opportunities to win games, and I, I hated it that it turned out that way. But you know, that's part of the learning curve of playoff basketball at times. But, you know, to just pencil these guys in to the Western Conference Finals, to me, was a little disrespectful to what the Grizzlies have accomplished. But I, I get it. You know, Mike Conley was banged up with an orbital bone fracture. No one was sure if he would play. And, and without him, the Grizzlies are just a much different team. But the rest of the guys took that to heart as well. And 
they came out with a very typical Grizzly-like performance. going to lock you down defensively. You're going to pound it inside, feed off the bigs, and if that means guys get open looks on the perimeter, they got to be willing to take them, and when they do and make them, this team becomes very difficult to beat. No doubt about that. I mean, let's be honest, Eric. They were ready to have a big old party there the other night. Steph Curry gets his MVP award. And they don't ever lose at Oracle Arena. And surprise. Um, so uh, full well knowing what it's like to play out there, uh, when did the game start to turn in your favor? Well, it, it was crazy, Sean, because you said it. it you know, the, the, the atmosphere was electric. And I knew our guys were going to be ready um, at the morning shoot-around because they were talking amongst themselves that, you know, hey, there's media guys talking about should they have the championship parade in Oakland or San Francisco. As you know, they play their games in Oakland, but San Francisco is where there's a lot more people. Um, and already basically saying, well, in the next round you'll face the winner of the Clippers-Rockets, so we got to pay attention to what's going there. And our guys were like, oh, hold the phone. You guys have won one game. You know, this, it's they're a good team, but let's not just, you know, write them into the NBA Finals and into an NBA title. But that's the nature sometimes of the media. But when I saw it early on, after Mike hit the three to tie the game at five, and then the Grizzlies got a stop and got the lead, as they gradually built that lead, you could see that they were getting to shooters. They were making it difficult. So even when Curry and Thompson got an open look, they maybe rushed it a little bit because they were expecting the defensive pressure to be there. And generally it was, but you know, and I know that it makes it tough to get into a rhythm when a guy's all over you for, you know, most of the game. And then when you finally do get an open look, you almost rush it even more. So um, I just thought that the, the tide really turned midway through that first quarter where the Grizzlies continued to pound the ball inside. They went on a big run and took the crowd out of it really early on. And as you know, tough place to win. The Warriors only led that game for 20 seconds. And the Grizzlies came right back, tied it with the Conley three, got a stop, and got the lead back. And then an 11-2 to run, it was, it was a big swing towards the end of uh, the first quarter. But I thought if you picked one other moment, it was when Conley went down and Draymond Green tried to reach and grab the ball. Conley was calling a timeout. And Green inadvertently, in my opinion, although some people thought it was more purposeful, uh, hit Conley where the, where the fracture was. And Mike stayed down, went to the bench, said he would stay in the game, did, and the Grizzlies came out with a 9-0 run. That seemed to light a fire under them. And, and at that point, you could just see that they, they weren't going to lose that basketball game, you know, unless it was – you know, Golden State hitting 30-footers that you just sometimes can't defend. But they were going to do everything they could to, to make sure that didn't happen. Is the emotion of Conley's return or his physical abilities more of a, a factor right now early in the series? I think both. You know, his physical abilities, you just look at the, you know, point guard position and, like, there's there's nothing against Nick Calathis or Benno Udry. Both have without question a spot in this league. Uh, Benno is a scoring guard coming off of somebody's bench, and, and Nick is a distributor coming off of somebody's bench. They're just not Mike Conley. You've seen it four times a year and sometimes five with preseason games. You've seen how special that young man can be. And he is the emotional leader, as you said, but also his ability to score, getting those nine points in the first quarter from him, having him hit some shots where – the Warriors went, okay, he can still shoot, so now we've got to play defense you know, more straight up. We can't help. We can't cheat uh, down to the bigs and just let him come around a screen and get in the paint. He was willing to go into the lane. He was willing to go up with those floaters and 
you know, they had Tony Allen mic'd up, and Tony at one point looked at Mike and said, hey, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of your effort, and, and you know, we're happy to have you back. And that was the general consensus all day long, from the morning shoot-around, where it still wasn't sure he was going to play. They ran through their sets in the morning with both Mike and Nick Kalathis taking time at the, you know, with the first team. And Mike just made the decision. He said, listen, uh, you know, I've got all summer long, when this is over, whenever the ride is over, to heal up. And I'm not going to be able to live with myself, essentially, if I don't do all I can to be on the floor for my teammates. So uh, there was advice from some people that said, don't play. And Mike said, forget it, I'm playing. And I think that goes a lot, a long way with his team. You know, he's not a rah-rah, you know, pound his chest, you know, yeller and screamer, maybe like a Draymond Green or some other guys. But uh, he definitely is the leader in that locker room. And the guys, uh, even veterans like Zach Randolph, look to him and, and know that when he says he's going to get something done, that the odds are he's going to get it done. So I think it was both emotional and physically being on the floor, being able to, to run with Steph Curry around screens and being able to score the basketball. You know, Nick Kalathis didn't score in game one, and, and Steph Curry did, and there's a big difference in that. So, uh, Whereas the Grizzly guards get, struggled in game one, they got better looks in game two, and, and that was one of the reasons why they were able to come out on top. With all this being said, and the fact that you guys won at their place, it's a 1-1 series now, uh, does it surprise you that Golden State is a four-point favorite at your building on Saturday night? No, it doesn't because they're still a team that won 67 games, and, and you're still going to say, oh, well, you know, everybody's got a puncher's chance. And I, I, I maybe thought it would be a little bit lower, but you have that long layoff. There's still, you know, the questions of how Mike's going to respond. He did get, you know, bumped in that facial area by Draymond Green, and so they're going to practice today. I would assume Mike's going to be okay. Uh, I would assume he's going to go Saturday night. I, you've been in, in our building when it's been rocking. I've been in your building when it's been rocking, and it's always tough to win on the road. It's always tough when you have a boisterous fan base that gets behind your team because they love the way that they play. So I think the Warriors recognize that, but you know they're still saying, hey, this is a team that came in and beat the Grizzlies by double digits in March on their home floor. Why can't they do it again? And the answer is they certainly can, but I think the Grizzly defense has figured some things out. You know, you and I have discussed the X and O's of basketball, and so when you're setting some of those high screens, what the Grizzlies want to do is, is push those guys back to 26, 27 feet, not let them just turn the corner and fire a, you know, a, a three right around that screen because with Thompson and Curry, their release is so quick they can get it away before you can recover. But if you just kind of push them back a few steps, although they're capable of making 27-footers, it's a little bit harder of a shot than a 22-footer when you're getting an open look. So the the defense staying aggressive will be key and, and setting the tone. I thought the Grizzlies controlled the pace beautifully in, in game two, and they have to do that. If the Warriors are getting out and running like they did in the first half of game one, then it's going to be tough. But, I mean, if you go look at the box score, Sean, in the last six quarters, the Warriors haven't scored over 25 in any of them. That's a lot to say in terms of your defensive performance against that high-scoring offense to keep them – uh, what would be below 100 points on average per quarter. You know, you're looking at 25 in a game. And for six straight quarters, not get above that 25 points left. So that's pretty uh, That's pretty solid on the defensive end. There's no doubt about that. Uh, Storyline for Saturday. You mentioned uh, the ability to control the pace. I think that's huge. Uh, obviously, we'll see some adjustments. Uh, Steve Kerr and his staff, uh, you know, there aren't, they aren't dummies. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think you'll, you'll see as far as the early tone in game three? 
Well, I think it's going to be physical. I, I think the Warriors are going to come out and they're going to try to run right away. They're going to try to take the crowd out of it the way the Grizzlies did. They're going to try to hit a couple of big threes right off the bat. And they're going to have to try to find a way to, to neutralize Tony Allen on the defensive end of the floor, whether that's running more staggered screens with two players setting the pick as opposed to just one because Tony's so good at getting through the pick, or more ball reversals and, and you know cross-court passing to try to catch the Grizzlies in rotation. I think we'll see more of that. I would not be surprised either to see them try to utilize Andrew Bogut on the post a little bit more, even though he's not a scorer and, and that part of his career may be you know, gone by the wayside, he can still finish around the bucket. And if you don't respect his size and his ability to finish with his little, you know, baby hook that's either going right or left-handed, uh, and he goes one-on-one, he, he can put six or eight points on you in a hurry, and he can get tap-ins right off the bat. So I think they're maybe going to try to establish that in the early going just to keep the Grizzly defense honest, because if it's just going to be Curry and Thompson and then even Draymond Green and Harrison Barnes trying to spot up and fire threes. The Grizzlies are seeming to have an answer for that as of late. Now, I certainly don't expect them to shoot below 30% from three-point range every game. There's going to be a game where they hit everything. So for the Grizz, it's going to be how do they answer that on the opposite end. And I do think that when the Grizzlies do miss, that the Warriors are going to look to run just as much, if not even more, than they have. And the Grizzlies did a great job in Game 2 getting back and limiting fast break points and second chance points for that matter. But that doesn't mean the Warriors won't figure out a way to start uh, sending more guys off of the defensive glass and, and getting out in transition. So I think Steve Kerr's going to do everything he can to push that pace up to try to get a lead early on, take the crowd out of the game, and then uh, play from a position of strength. Because if you fall behind, if you're the Warriors in Game 3, and that crowd is locked in, and Tony Allen makes a play or two. Uh, the roof could very well come off. You know, you hear MVP chants in, in Houston for James Harden, and in, obviously in Golden State for Steph Curry. I'm not going to be surprised if the 18,000 plus at FedEx Forum start chanting first team, first team, first team all defense for Tony Allen when he takes the floor on Saturday night. No doubt. No doubt. Good stuff, Eric. I'm glad we got a hold of you because. Uh... That's the best insight we've got yet on this series, and good luck on Saturday. Um, of course, uh, I guess, well, I will be. I'll be rooting for a Southwest Division team on Saturday night. So all the best, and uh, I hope we'll touch base again uh, later in this round or the next. Always a pleasure, my friend, and I appreciate the support as always. And, you know, we pull for each other in that Southwest Division because even though during the year, four times a year, we're all uh, fighting with each other, I think we realize how tough the division is and how, you know, maybe – a a 50-win team, a 48-win team, a 47-win team in the Southwest might be in a, in a weaker division, uh, you know, a 52-win team, a 55-win team, a nearly a 60-win team. I think there's a great deal of respect between all of our ball clubs, so it's always good to have that support and you know, keep it in the Southwest division where all five teams made the playoffs this year, which is pretty special. Yes, sir. Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, with us here on the Black and Blue Report. We'll be right back. Do you have all the right moves to be a member of the hottest dance team in the NBA? The Pelicans dance team is having open auditions for their 2015-16 squad, and you are invited to try out. Join us on Saturday, June 13th at the New Orleans Pelicans practice facility on Airline Drive in Metairie. For more information on how you can be a part of the Pelicans dance team, visit pelicans.com today.
At Smoothie King, we're so much more than just fruit and a blender. Because each and every Smoothie King smoothie is blended for a purpose. Whether you want to make it one more mile or simply make it through the day, we have a smoothie just for that. Bring us your purpose and we'll blend it. Looking to purify your diet? Hurry in now and try our new nutty super grain vegan smoothie made with almond milk, Sun Warrior protein, super grains, and a peanut taste you'll go nutty for. Only at Smoothie King, proud supporter of the New Orleans Pelicans. Smoothies with a purpose. This is Anthony Davis, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Good show today. Glad you joined us for John Stinchcomb and Eric Hasseltine on this Thursday. Tomorrow, obviously, we'll wrap up the week here on Black and Blue Report. And we'll do so with uh, Jennifer Hale of Fox Sports New Orleans and the NFL on Fox. It can be good to catch up with Jen. And we'll hear from Tennessee Chattanooga head football coach Russ Huseman. Uh, the reason we have uh, Coach Huseman on tomorrow is – is the fact that many have described, or the notion, I shouldn't say fact, the notion that many have described as uh, the sleeper of the Saints draft class. That would be Davis Tull, the linebacker out of Tennessee Chatt- Chattanooga. So we're going to get to know a little bit more about Mr. Tull tomorrow from his college head coach. We'll look forward to that on tomorrow's Black and Blue Report. Again, it's yours after noon central tomorrow on NewOrleansSaints.com, Pelicans.com, and on the two-team mobile apps plus iTunes as well. So that'll be a great way to end the week. Hey, congratulations to Jimmy Butler, the Chicago Bulls. He is going to be named the most improved player of the NBA this season. Of note, uh, Anthony Davis of the Pelicans finished sixth in that vote. And uh, there was a vote there, a third place vote for Tyreek Evans. But uh, Jimmy Butler's the guy, and that's uh, that's who got my vote. As a matter of fact, uh, pretty stunning the improvement that he made and, and what he's done to help the Bulls now into the second round of the NBA playoffs. Thanks again to all of our guests today and to you as well for spending part of your Thursday with us. And for Daniel Salerson, I'm Sean Kelly. See you right back here tomorrow on the Black and Blue Report. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Do it, do it.